Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Grace and peace to my brothers and sisters here at Brandywine Grace. Keep your Bibles open, all right? Genesis 2 is where we are today. Thanks, Ryan, for reading the scripture. Thank you already for giving, uh, making sacrifices and being generous towards the mission week that we're doing. And I really look forward to those that have signed up for the newcomer meet and greet. My name's Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here. I look forward to meeting you downstairs. We've got over 38 people registered for our newcomer meet and greet. So that's exciting church. Um, And I look forward to meeting all of you down there. Title of this morning's sermon, The Seventh Day. And I, for one, feel a particular and specific irony that I would preach on rest after one heck of a week. Some of you are looking for rest. Everybody's looking for rest. Well, this scripture will teach us some things about rest. I remember my first experience with the idea of the seventh day. I grew up in Delaware County, so not far from here. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to date myself. Um, <laughs> Now with this story, because when I grew up, there wasn't TikTok, Spotify. Um, like if you wanted an album, which we, we bought cassettes, you had to buy it. And if you wanted uh, uh, to listen to a song that you really liked on the radio, you got your box radio out and you waited until it played and then you would quickly hit play and record. So this was, this was my childhood in the 80s. But 94 WYSP, ain't nobody listened to 94 WYSP growing up? Classic rock. They did something, part of their programming, every Sunday night, and they called it the seventh day. And they played seven albums in their entirety, start to finish, with no radio interruptions. So all you needed was a Memorex (laughs) and your radio ready and for free, I don't know how legal it was, but for free, you could get seven new albums every week. Guys, I'm telling you, I got the Scorpions, I got Judas Priest, somebody tell me, amen. I got Fleetwood Mac, I got Journey, I got plenty of Led Zeppelin albums, 
I got even a Devo album. I got Genesis. That was what I thought. If you just said seventh day, that's what came to mind. Seventh day is more than that, though, isn't it? But it's something that I think we don't fully understand. And I pray that God would take the little bit that I have today and teach us something about the rest that he enjoyed, that he enjoys, and that he desires for us to enjoy. So this is the way we'll break it down. We're going to talk for a little bit about God's rest. We're going to talk for a little bit about Sabbath rest. And then we're going to just make some connections to Jesus. And I'm grateful to R. Ken Hughes for his thoughts on this passage. God's rest. We just read it. Ryan just read us the passage of Scripture. Take a look, though, at the end of chapter 1. At the end of chapter 1, verse 31, we see God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So that was the end of six days of creation. Now we move to the seventh day, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. That is a connection back to Genesis 1, verse 1. Flip your page there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He concluded chapter 2, verse 1, thus... The heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. This is called an inclusio. God, we learn, is completely satisfied, contented, a deep sense of contentment and satisfaction after all he has completed in these first six days. Three days of forming the earth, three days of filling the earth, then culminates the apex of creation, creating male, female, creating men and women. And the scripture tells us that it was not only good, like all of the other days of creation, but the conclusion of creation, we're told in verse 31, God tells us it was very good. No one has ever looked at their work like God looked at his work and was able to say, it was very good and have it mean the same thing as it means when God says his work is very good. You understand me? You've completed some projects. You've written some term papers. You've built some things. You've created some things. You've accomplished some things. And you've derived that contented sense of satisfaction, but never the way that God derived satisfaction at the end of his six days of creating. He gave his work his highest commendation. It was very good. And it wasn't bragging because he's God. The seventh day is different from all of the other six days. Ken Matthews points out some of these differences. Let me just detail a few for you. How is the seventh day different? Uh, well, there's no creation formula for the seventh day. Remember at the beginning of each of the other days, we got this little uh, 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 phrase that God would use what Moses told us, 
and God said. So at the beginning of each of the first six days of creation, we have this and God said. We get to the seventh day, no and God said. No creation form required. And the seventh day is different as well because no closing refrain on the seventh day. There's no reference to, and behold, it was good after the seventh day is established. That makes it different than the first six days of creation. The seventh day is the only day that we're told here that God has blessed. He blessed the seventh day and we told in verse three that he made it holy. So the seventh day is different than all the six days because none of the other six days were blessed specifically. We're not told that they were blessed and we're not told that they were made holy. The seventh day also has no corresponding day. Remember when I laid out for you the first three days God formed the earth corresponding to the, to the days four, five, and six where God filled the earth. The seventh day has no corresponding day to it. It stands alone. Notice also that the number of the day is repeated seven times. The heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. The seventh day is being highlighted for us here so that we can understand something about what we're supposed to learn and know about the seventh day. The seventh day is God's crown. It's the crown of his creation. And Moses is demonstrating incredible literary craft, but there's also theological significance for us here. Seventh day is central to creation. But also to the ultimate destiny of God's people. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that, and we're going to walk through some of these things together, is that God intends for human beings to experience his rest, a rest that he is the only one that can provide for you, the challenge is that we go seeking after so many things, so many other things, so many created things, to find a rest that only God can provide to your soul. And even though right now, I told you last week, that God, if you're in Christ, God has saved you, God is saving you, and God will one day completely confirm and, and you'll realize the salvation that is in him. So what that means is, even as a Christian now that desires to experience rest, there is a rest that is awaiting you, and the adjective to describe it is eternal. Who's in for that? Who needs a little eternal rest? You got it on order. You just can't enjoy it yet. But you can enjoy the rest that comes through Christ. Why did God rest? You don't have to shout out an answer. It's probably wrong. 
I mean, why did God rest? He wasn't tired. He wasn't fatigued. He's omnipotent in power. After six days of creating all that there is, there was not an ounce of tiredness or exhaustion in him. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit and Christ were standing there watching God on the sidelines of the game of creation and looked at him and said, oh my, they looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, we got to get the father a blow. We got we to give him a break. We got to let him take a breather. He's exhausted from all of this. That's not why God rested. The word rest actually means to cease from. What did God cease from? He ceased from creative activity. Why? Because he was done. Because creation was complete. And he was contented and deeply satisfied with it. And so he rested. God simply stopped his creating activity. And though he rested, he still worked. Scripture tells us that even though God created all that we see from nothing, that he still is actively sustaining his creation by the word of his power. So it wasn't as if God took a rest day and said, don't bother me, creation. Because if God suspends his work even for a moment, Everything collapses. Everything disintegrates. So God continued working on the seventh day, but his work was not creative. His work was sustaining what he has already created. Give God, give thanks to God for his sustaining grace. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. So what does this rest mean? God ceased from his creative activity and he enjoyed it. This idea of rest carries this idea of blessed. He blessed the seventh day. What does he, what do, what's the writer mean by blessed? It means to be spiritually fruitful. At other times in creation... God blessed. He blessed the man and the woman. And right after telling us that he was blessed, he encouraged them to be fruitful and to multiply. So if you want to experience spiritual fruitfulness, then, that, then you need to be blessed. And being blessed means that you'll be spiritually fruitful and that you'll multiply. So what is the seventh day? It's a day of fruitfulness and multiplication. He also called it holy. The seventh day is the first thing we're told that, was, that God made holy in Scripture. He set it, he elevated the seventh day 
above all other days. He set it apart for God, and it has no end. All the other days of creation came to an end. The seventh day never got any closure. It goes on and on and on and on for all of eternity. This is God's rest. Let's talk for a moment about Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. Generations later, after the fall, after the flood, after the Israelites' captivity in Egypt, and after the exodus, God gave the Ten Commandments. And in giving the Ten Commandments to his people that he has, that had rescued by his grace, he gave them those commandments to enjoy him. The commandments were not given so that they could somehow earn their salvation by keeping them. He delivered them out of slavery by grace, and then he gave them his commandments to enjoy. So it is true for every Christian, you or everyone who is in here. You will never save yourself by keeping his commands. Salvation is a gift of grace. Once he saves you, his commandments become important to you because you actually want to please him. You actually want to live for him. And obey, obedience is not something that gives you the right to earn what he's given by grace. It gives you the means of enjoying it. Anybody say amen. Some of us need rest because we're trying to, we're striving to save ourselves. You'll never find rest that way because that's out of God's plan. God saves us by his grace and then he gives us his law and his commands to enjoy him for our good. Look at Exodus 20, though. If you have it, I'll read it to you. If you don't, aren't able to... Get it quickly, Exodus is the next book of the Bible following Genesis. These are from the Ten Commandments. This is verses 8 through 11 where God gives instructions about the Sabbath because we're talking about Sabbath rest now. He said, remember, this is the word of the Lord, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's what he commanded. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's set apart to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The seventh day is a day of celebration. It's a day for enjoying all that God has done. It's a day for enjoying. Seventh day is a day for enjoying the previous six days. It's a day for enjoying all of his creative work. The point here is that there's more to life than work. Some of you need to hear that in Chester County. I told you I grew up in Delaware County. Where I grew up, the median salary is a lot lower than it is here in, in Chester County. A lot of people 
men and women grinding themselves to the bone, filled with worry and stress, and they don't realize that there's more to life than work. There's more to life than money. There's more to life than everything you're worrying about right now. And so God provides us the Sabbath so that we can pause and enjoy him and all of his creation and all the things that he has done for us. Is this making sense? Here's something I, I know to be true. Somebody just said it to me. We were in the bathroom washing our hands and somebody said, uh, was asking me about my week and I was giving them something of a, on, I was giving them an honest answer but without giving them all the details. And so he said to me something, well, this is going to be a good end to your week and a good start to your week. He's, he's got a concept of Sabbath. Here's what happens, I think, for the church. As I've been in pastoral ministry, I see it happening for myself. I see it happening in all of you. You need today to remind you that life is about more than everything you're worrying about. That's what Sunday does. Sunday, we just hit pause. We come and we sing. We open up God's word. We ask God to speak from us. He refreshes our hearts and, and, and brings perspective to everything that's happened in the last week and then prepares us to fight the good fight this week. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. By the end of the week, your problems are big and your God is small. I see this in my own life. I see it in you. By the end of the week, your problems are monstrous and your God is a weakling. And the seventh day is to bring you to the chiropractor, get you back in the joint where you actually see, whoa, wait a second, God is big and my problems are small. Amen? Aren't you glad when God does that for you? That's why we need this, church. Last week's sermon's no good. I can't even remember it. And I preached it, I think. I think I did. Did I preach last week? Yeah. I need something new from God today. You need something new from God today? He's giving it to us from His Word. He's refreshing our souls. And He's putting perspective on life. And he's filling us with his spirit so that we can keep following him, a long obedience in the same direction, filled with his spirit. Amen? So Sabbath rest is, is a, a, a day of rest set aside to enjoy God, to enjoy all that he's given you. I went on sabbatical a few years ago, took a sabbatical, and part of the sabbatical was to get some rest. We went to Costa Rica for a while. And it was great. I felt like God was teaching me some things about what it means to rest. And after taking that sabbatical, I was convinced that I'd never taken a day off in my life. Because I didn't understand what a day off was. On that sabbatical, the first couple weeks, we were having an incredible time. 
But I, I had set aside time, especially in the morning, to get into God's Word and to read some books. I've read Augustine's Confessions. I just was reading some good, deep theology and reflecting on God. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me some things. And one of the things I felt like the Lord was doing in my life is He was purging me of some things so that I would better enjoy Him. So I was experiencing some conviction over some sin in my life, some habits of sin in my life, and just getting alone, creating some space. The Lord was speaking to me. He was convicting me and showing me how his grace was going to change me and that that change was going to result in more joy in Christ. That's a good thing when that happens. But I feel like the Lord was concerned that I wasn't getting the message. And so about a week into my sabbatical, I felt like the Lord, through a vivid illustration, sought to impress his word upon my soul. I got a terrible case of food poisoning. Anybody ever had food poisoning? It's miserable. It's miserable. And I felt like the Lord had been speaking to me about a purging that he was doing in my life. <laughs> and I laid on that bed for like 24 hours asking God to please relent. But I felt like in that moment, the Lord took what he was teaching me over those two weeks, those first 10 days of sabbatical, and he was speaking to me clearly, I am purging you of everything that would prevent you from prizing me. That's good when the Lord does that. It's good when the Lord takes you to a place where he purges you of everything that is actually preventing you from prizing, and when I say prizing, enjoying him. We're so easily satisfied, church. C.S. Lewis has taught us this. We're so easily satisfied. We're satisfied with the most, and, 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 and we look insane while we try to satisfy ourselves in things that were never, ever, ever designed to satisfy us. And God, because he's a loving father, wants to purge that stuff out of your life so that you actually can experience true, real, dare I say, eternal joy. The scripture says, at my right hand, God says, are pleasures, what church? Forevermore. What do you have on this earth that is going to satisfy you forevermore? The only thing you have is things that will satisfy you for a moment. A day, a month, a year. There is nothing on this earth that could satisfy the deep vacuum in your soul that God placed there so that he could fill that hole with himself. Some of you, God's purging you. He's purging you of everything that would prevent you 
from prizing him. And, and to keep going with the illustration, <laughs> you need just just let him do his work. <laughs> you need to, to cry uncle. You need to say, Lord, I believe that you're good. And I believe you have something good for me in this. So give me the strength. Fill me with your spirit that I might in a fresh way turn away from any false gods so that I might be satisfied in you. Anybody want that? It's also a day, the Sabbath rest is for celebrating our salvation. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, God tells the people, remember who you were. Remember who you were. You were enslaved for hundreds of years in Egypt. And remember how I came and rescued you. Reflect on your salvation. Every Sunday, every Sabbath day is an opportunity to remember that you could never get to God on your own, but God sent Jesus to get you. You can't. This is where striving comes in. We strive. We want to get rid of the guilt and shame that we feel. And God is inviting you to see that the way in which your guilt and your shame is forever removed is through the salvation that he provided through Jesus Christ. All right, a few thoughts on what I've learned about a day off, because I think this, is ref this will be instructive for many of you. I take Saturday off, kind of. I seem to work every Saturday night, so my wife would say. But then I take Monday off. Sunday's full work day for me. But I take Monday off. And... I've learned something. If I really want to enjoy rest, it takes a little work. It takes a little work to enjoy the rest that God wants you to enjoy. And so I get out a, a piece of paper, small piece of paper, almost every week on Sunday night, and I write out a plan for how I'm going to try to enjoy God and enjoy all the good gifts that he's given me. I don't do it perfectly, but I use five R's, the five R's of rest. And I try to find something in each of these, cat these R categories that I'm going to give to you that if, I, if, I, if I'm able, if God gives me grace and I, I plan things out and I can try to, to hold to some type of plan I'll enjoy the rest that God has given me. So these are the five R's. And I think they'll help a lot of you who have trouble resting. First thing you got to do is refresh. You need to be refreshed. So the five R's of rest are find something to do that is refreshing. If you don't find something to do that is refreshing and you haven't thought about it before you get up, you'll probably go right on with your day, drift into the problems of last week, and not do anything that actually refreshes your soul. What refreshes your soul? I don't know, but you do. So you should need, you should do those things that are refreshing to you. This is where you can't get all twisted up. Because some people would say, oh, it's your Sabbath day, you shouldn't do any work. You shouldn't mow the lawn. Because six days you shall labor, you shouldn't mow the lawn. 
what if the, mowing the lawn is something that's really relaxing? Well, you should mow the lawn if it's really relaxing. If it's something you dread, wait until Tuesday <laughs> or pay somebody to do it. You should do the things that are refreshing to you. I don't get all twisted up. Like, I, I know too many farmers throughout my life. De cows need milking on the seventh day. You understand, right? You can't just say, hey, wait. <laughs> So you got to find things that are refreshing. I always make some, I try to make space for time with God that's undistracted. So sometimes my quiet times are rushed. On my Monday, I'm just, I'm sitting there, I got my coffee, and I just linger, and I don't have a clock. I read a lot. I enjoy reading. That's refreshing to me. Um, you got to find things that are refreshing to you. So make a list maybe today of things that you find refreshing and then start incorporating them in your day off. Second R is relate. So refresh, relate. So relate is I, I, I give thought to where are my relationships, you know, what are my relationships right now, and where could there be some aspect of enjoying relationships that God has given me. So it could be a walk with Amy. It could be playing pickleball with my boys. It, you know, something that allows me some to relate to the people that God has blessed me and, and put in my life. So look for opportunity to relate. Third R is recreate. So I, I, in that category, I think about something that I could do that would be fun. Now, these, you see these blur over, right? Refresh, recreate, they, they could be the same thing. So a good, intense pickleball game, or if some of you are wondering well, how I got that black eye, it's playing basketball with my sons. That was a form of recreation on my Sabbath that cost me an elbow. So I, I, I try to find something to do that's recreational. Maybe it's going to the gym. Something that's recreational. So like three R, these are my, those are three R's. Refresh, relate, recreate. Then the fourth one is rehab. So rehab is a category I use for things that I want to do around a house. I want to rehab the house a little bit. Some of you might say, that's not, ah, I stay away from all rehab in the house. Well, stay away, but you do have things that you need to take care of, and that can actually be refreshing to get a, a good honey-do list and just start checking them off. So I'm doing maintenance things around the house. I'm doing things I didn't have a chance to do throughout the week. That's rehab. Then the last category is refocus. And so that's where I just begin to refocus myself on things that have happened last week, tying up some loose ends, and then beginning to look forward to next week. I'm not actually planning out my week, but I'm thinking about things that need to be taken care of, and I'm just jotting those down so that I'm ready when Tuesday starts. It's just an opportunity to refocus. These are things, maybe it'll be helpful to you. You don't have to do it this way, but maybe it would be helpful to you to give thought to what your rest day looks like. I've found that I can't really rest until I've given some thought to what my rest is going to look like. Okay? All right, let's connect it to Jesus. Rest. Jesus rested when he worked. 
Do you remember what happened in John when we preached through the Gospel of John? Jesus concluded his work. As he hung there on the cross, he made a famous statement at the end of his work. What did he say, church? It's finished. I did it. I did everything that God called me to do. And now I can check it off. Complete your salvific work on behalf of your people. Check. Finished. Complete. Aren't you glad that God gets through his to-do list? His work on the cross created salvation and the possibility for all of us to enjoy his eternal rest. The writer of Hebrews talks about this. He tells us about an eternal rest that has been prepared for us. But it's an eternal rest, the writer of Hebrews tells us, that can only be enjoyed and entered into through faith. If you want to enjoy rest, some of you are here today and you want to know the rest that Jesus offers. If you want to know that rest, I need to tell you, it's going to require more than intellectual belief. It's going to require more than just saying that I believe in God. The writer from Hebrews says it's going to be more than belief. If you just have belief, you won't enjoy his rest. If you just acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, you won't enjoy rest. The Scripture tells us that those that are not enjoying the rest of God, Satan and demons, believe and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. But it provides them no rest. You see? You need to have more than belief. You need to have trust. Trust in Christ is what brings rest to weary souls. Trust, true faith, is belief in Jesus as he has identified himself, but it's also a trusting in him for his work on your behalf. It's saying, Jesus, I need you. I know who you are, and I need you. Would you save me? Those, it's those that have begun to enjoy the rest that salvation provides. When you trust, really trust, rest comes to you because the burdens of your sins has been lifted. I'm smiling, you smiling. Do you know what it's like? Do you remember? what it was like to have. Some of us don't remember as well. Some of us do. Do you remember the moment at which you felt like my burden has been lifted? All the worry is over. All the striving is done. 
You rested in Christ, not in yourself, and your burden of guilt and shame was lifted. And your soul was light with rest. Have you ever experienced that? If you haven't, Jesus invites you to enjoy the rest that he came to give. All you have to do is have faith, which is to believe in him and trust in him, and your soul will know that relief, that rest. Now, the rest is one to be enjoyed now. You have entered, and if you're in Christ, you've entered into his rest. You know what I'm talking about. You've entered into it. You are entering into it. And you will one day enjoy it completely for eternity. One of the things about rest that's important for us to see is the more you put your trust in Christ, the more you experience his rest. Sometimes people will ask me, how do you rest in Jesus when you're going through a difficult time? It's called trust. It's called you put your trust in him, no matter what your circumstances are, as you trust him, he gives you what you need. He gives you grace, and you find yourself enjoying him even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Here's the challenge for many Christians. They, they put their trust in Christ. They enjoy his rest. They hit a roadblock. They hit at some difficulty, and they go back to false gods looking for other things to put their trust in, other things to satisfy them, but those things don't satisfy, so they get into a cycle of reaping and sowing where they feel like, I have no rest, but they have it. Jesus gave it to them. But they're not enjoying it because they're not actively putting their trust in him. You're going through a difficult time. You feel like you need some rest. Take those difficulties to the Lord. Cast your anxiety upon him. Know that he cares for you and then enjoy the rest that he will provide for a soul that is stuck in, in tumultuous circumstances. Anybody want that? I need that. Jesus has promised us that. He didn't promise us an easy life without pain. What he promised us is rest while we walk through every circumstance that he has ordered for your life. He said it this way. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody laboring? Anyone heavy laden? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Have you found rest in faith, in believing, and in trusting in Christ? He offers you that rest. Are you enjoying the rest that Christ has most definitely purchased for you and secured for you? Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's his promise. He always keeps his promises, church. Amen. Lord, we pray that you would take your word and pin its truth to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen.